Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History avec Hemingway. Today we are talking about Natalie Clifford Barney. Once again, don't know who that is, but Claudine is definitely going to give us all the best information about this fascinating woman in French history. I love that. I do, I like it. You come in, you not you don't know. I get to just tell you all about her. Yeah, I get to learn. It's like sitting through like history again in school, but I actually listen this time, you know, (laughs) (laughs) actually paying attention to what you have to say. It's way more interesting than my history teacher. Exactly. Exactly. So Natalie Clifford Barney, um, she was an American, of course, uh, had gone off to Paris. We'll get to that. She was born on Halloween in 1876 in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, wow. Halloween. Halloween. Yes. Um, Her mother, um, Alice Pike, was an artist and her father, um, Albert Clifford Barney, worked in his family's um, railway car factory. Um, Both of her parents' families, um, they came from very, very wealthy families. So they, you know, had a lot of money when she was growing up. She and her sister were basically surrounded constantly by art and music and culture and uh, traveling a lot. And the wealthy, uh, this very wealthy family spent their summers in New York. Um, They would go to parties and museums and author readings. And uh, her mother, you know, was uh, one day took her to a bookstore to listen to an author. Well, the author that was there was Oscar Wilde. No way. In Ohio. Yeah. So they ended up going and uh, a group of young boys were there and they were picking on her. uh, I think, well, it was in New York. The young boys were picking on little Natalie and they were throwing candy cherries at her um, blonde hair that she had. Poor thing. I know. So Oscar saw this and ran over and picked her up and brought her back and sat him, sat her on his knee and told her a story. Hmm. So uh, right then, um, you know, they became uh, very close friends. Oscar was invited to spend the next day with their family. They went to the beach Um, while they were sitting there on the beach. Alice was telling Oscar how she had always wanted to be an artist and and, you know, this frustrated artist that she couldn't do that. And, you know, she really wanted to do it. And he said, you need to just follow your heart and become an artist and go to Paris. So I love Oscar Wilde told her to go to Paris while they're chilling on the beach. Like what? <laughs> I know exactly. And so um, her husband didn't like this idea very much, but she picked up her, took her daughters and they went off to Paris in 1887. Alice took, uh, took them to Paris and, you know, they had a very fancy, fancy apartment. The girls were sent to a French boarding school. So um, she just ditched her husband. Yeah, well, he just stayed back. You know, it's very busy with, you know, railway work and things like that. So, 
boring life. Yeah. So he, uh, they're, they're in Paris. Um, they're going to school. This is when Natalie first had her French uh, her taste of everything uh, French and basically fell in love with it, like most of all of us do when we go. So two years later, they returned back to the U.S. and they moved to Washington, D.C. Natalie was just 12 years old at the time. And she already decided and knew that she was a lesbian at 12 years old. That was a life she wanted. And she didn't want one that she had to live in the shadows. She didn't want to have, you know, at that time, it wasn't okay. Um, it wasn't definitely wasn't looked, you know, looked on, upon, uh, you know, favorably. And so, but she didn't care. She was like, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. And her parents were just completely fine with it. So at 16 years old, she decided to return to Paris. And she went to Paris, Europe. And she was all over Europe and Paris, and she met Eva Palmer Skillion in Spain. And she was fascinated by this beautiful woman with red hair and green eyes. Eva returned to Paris with her, and they moved into an apartment. Wow. So she knew at six, oh, she knew at 12, she was a lesbian. And her parents were supportive of this. And she ran away to Europe and fell in love with a beautiful Spanish woman. At 16. This all sounds so advanced for this period. <laughs> In some ways, when I mean, of all of the people we talk about and you hear, you know, how most of them, like the artists and all of this, they do all these things at such an early age. And, you know, they become, you know, masters at, you know, Rosa, Rosa Bonor was, you know, 17 when she was selling paintings. And now, like, you can't even think about that. Somebody. No, that I was such an idiot at 17. I just can't imagine them doing all these mature things. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, good for her heading out, heading out of here. She knew what she wanted, but she had she also had a lot of very modern ideas when it came to relationships. She um, didn't want to just date one person. Um, and she didn't want to just sleep with one person, but she didn't really want her partners to do the same. So the partners needed to stay faithful to her. Double standard. Yeah, but she did not. <laughs> Double standard. Yeah. So Eva eventually um, wasn't very happy about that, and she left. Um, and so she left her, she left Paris and left everything behind. Um, the next relationship she had was with a woman named Pauline Tarn, who was wrote under the pen name of Renee Vivien, which, uh, is a very famous, uh, writer in French history. There's parks and all sorts of stuff in Paris named after her. Um, at, at first the two inspired each other, um, uh, because they were both writers, but, uh, Natalie's philandering (laughs) (laughs) very well with Renee. Um, So she also left. So she left Natalie. Um, She did all she could to win her back. Um, Natalie would uh, go stand outside of her window with, (laughs) she'd rent a band to play outside her window. No. I mean, you know, now, I mean, we had say anything, you know, with the boom box, but (laughs) we had a full on band. (laughs) We had to get a band. She was sending her love poems. Um, Finally, she kind of uh, wore Renee down and they reunited for a short time. The two of them traveled to Greece and to the island of Lesbos um, (laughs) for a few months. Um, That's really, they really did go. Um, (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, but while, while they were there, Renee's former lover, um, the Baroness Helene von Seilen, sent her a letter begging her to return to her. 
She was and, quite the lady killer. Yeah, but so Renee left Natalie there in in for good. She left her in Greece, and she left. Um, sadly, right after that, Renee would um, try to kill herself a few oh. a year later, um, and then she ended up dying in 1909 um, at just 32 years old from alcoholism and anorexia. That's so sad. Yeah, so it's very sad. But yeah, she wasn't very. Renee wasn't very old. Um, only 32 years old. She was a baby. Yeah, totally a baby. Um, but in 188, before that, in 1889, in 1899, after uh, Renee had left her, she ended up meeting um, the Contessa Leanne de Puy um, at a Saint Germain uh, Bal Musette uh, dance hall. Um, Natalie was completely obsessed with her. Um, but she really didn't want really pay any attention to to her at all. She um, Bouy was at the time was a, um, a somewhat famous courtesan in Paris, and uh, Natalie dr- would dress up as a boy and go yeah. to go to um, the Contessa's home and told her that she was madly in love with her um, and that they would be the perfect match for each other. That's so funny. Yeah. And also because they both had, you know, the same thoughts on fidelity that, you know, just do whatever you want, sleep with whoever you want. Well, yeah. Yeah. So the two of them actually became involved um, off and on for about a year. Um, But uh, that didn't, of course, go in very well. Um, Boogie was a very talented writer herself. And Natalie, in her novel that she wrote in 1901, um, she made uh, basically... um, uh, Poogie made Natalie the basically um, a household name. So everybody in Paris knew who Natalie was at this time. Good connections. Yeah, very good. So um, she had a, you know, everything that Natalie wrote had a very, uh, very heavy lesbian theme through the books. And, uh, but she would write it in a way that the critics never picked up on it. That was smart. Yeah. So, but not her father, her father did. <laughs> and he was not pleased um, with with uh, her writing. The Barney family, um, and basically, uh, she would have to write. They made her if she was going to write, she had to write under a pen name, um, and so she had to do that until her father died in 1902. But I thought they were supportive of her gayness. They were, but maybe not when she published it. (laughs) (laughs) And they were a very wealthy, uh, very wealthy family. Um, But upon his death, um, she ended up inheriting a very large sum of money. And so she, you know, was still in Paris. She was living um, just right outside of Paris in Nuit. And uh, she ended up having, starting to hold weekly salons at her apartment in Nui. And everybody came, including Colette, who one time even performed um, as Mata. She dressed up um, and performed. Um, Mata Hari was there as well. Um, Paul Paul Claudel, our mean, horrible nemesis of Camille Claudel. Um, He would even come as probably before, you know, he had his earth shattering experience at Notre Dame. (laughs) <laughs> um, but in 1909, she held a uh, a huge uh, play, basically, in her apartment. And there was lots of yelling and dancing. And it was the last straw for the landlord who basically had too much and told her she had to leave. So in 1909, she had to move away from Nui. Um, she got kicked out of her home. 
I wonder if it was super fancy back then too, because right now it's like where all the richest of the rich people live in Paris, right outside of Paris. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think it's always been a little bit of that. Um, I mean, if she definitely came into it a lot of money and that's where she lived. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. But it was kind of a stroke of luck that they, that this happened because um, once she came into, she was looking for a place in Paris, she found a new home at um, number 20 Rue Jacob, which is uh, just, you know, steps away from the Église Saint-Germain-du-Pré. And uh, it's just this wonderful little street. It's also the same street where Hemingway and Hadley stayed on their first night when they came. Um, but she found this home and it was inside, deep inside a courtyard. It had a very gorgeous garden that was in there. And then it had a little two floor pavilion that was like, a, it was a temp, it was a small temple. What? She lived in a temple in a courtyard? Yeah, she had it. Well, she had an apartment and then there was the temple. Um, the temple itself was built in 1777 um, by Nicolas Delmarche. And it was originally built to hold Masonic rituals. It has um, the Doric columns on it. It's, it's, I'll, I'll have pictures on my website. It's really cute. Um, and above it, it said the Temple of Friendship up in English. So Natalie, uh, Natalie would uh, stay there. And she, for 60 years, held salons every single week. 60 years? Yeah, 60 years. And That's everybody crazy. came from Rodin to Cocteau, um, Max Jacob, who was a good friend of Picasso, Ezra Pound, Hemingway, Sinclair Lewis, T.S. Eliot, Sylvia Beach, Peggy Guggenheim, Gertrude Stein, of course, Joanna Barnes. Um, but everybody would come. It was the thing. It was the place to be in all of Paris every single week. Um, but in 1927, she also created the Academy des Femmes, um, which was basically just a group of all of the women writers that were in Paris. And she would held she would hold um, their meetings at at the in the temple. And of course, Colette was there. Um, Duana Barnes, Gertrude Stein. So they would all come um, and it would, you know, they'd have these meetings and then they would turn into, you know, her salons were more of a, just a, a nicer way to just be, it's a big party. <laughs> <laughs> In the Temple of Friendship. In the Temple of Friendship. Um, but during World War II, she had to leave France because um, she was a, th um, a third Jewish. And so she hid out in Italy um, after she paid to have some uh, papers, some fake documents made saying that she was a Catholic. Um, and so she she fled France um, during the war. The Germans had found this little temple and took it over. There's also was a hidden passage that passed under the Seine to the Louvre. What? That's so cool. Do, you, do we know the temple's still there? Look, it's still there. Wow, we got to sneak in. I know. I don't I was just like, oh, I could use that. I could have my own private passage. But then there's probably rats down there. I mean, oh, I'm sure it's blocked by now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. Always <laughs> block those passageways. We just got to hang outside the door. When it opens, we're just going to sneak it in. Just push it in there. Yeah. Uh, but she she returned to Paris and she started her salons again in 1949. Um, at this point, many of the expats of the 20s and 30s had left Paris. Um, so she um, was there. She ended up becoming very close with Alice B. Toklas um, after the death of Gertrude Stein in 1946. Um, the two of them, you know, they, Alice would come visit her all the time because she lived very close. At this point, they were li she was li living on Rue Christine. Um, so she didn't live very far. So they'd come over and hang out all day. And um, she uh, 
Duana, Natalie was really, she'd always dress in like, you know, very elaborate, you know, like caftans and all of these very fancy, you know, garments and sit around and basically, you know, her house coat all day. And, and mm-hmm. she decorated her home. Not, not fancy. <laughs> yeah. She decorated her home with like really exotic decorations with Spanish furniture. Um, and then it was, uh, everything was covered with red drapes and silk covered walls. I mean, it sounds just perfect. <laughs> I love the idea of caftans and silk walls and just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> ladies. Yeah. She had this long blonde hair. She'd always was, she was always wearing this red silk robe that she just basically spent every moment of the day in. That sounds like heaven. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound too bad. But after her father died, her mother um, was, you know, had, had come to Paris. Her mom was in Paris and she ended up uh, meeting a man named Christian Hemick, and he was just 26 years old. She was 61 years old. Love it. Yes. Her mother uh, ended up uh, marrying him. What? And, <laughs> yeah. And marrying him. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, I guess, good for him. I mean, she she had a ton of money, but. <laughs> good for her, too. She got her little young man. <laughs> yeah, she has a little young Frenchman. Uh, but her mom, you know, she, you know, she had talked to, had that conversation with Oscar many years before that about being an artist. And so in 1911, she had done, uh, created this sculpture. It was a life-size uh, figure of a nude woman. Mm. She uh, had this sculpture made. She decided to have it sent back to their family's home in Washington, D.C. and have it placed right in the middle of their front yard. Is it still there? No. So the neighbors were appalled because here's this life-size <laughs> naked lady standing in the middle of this woman's of these people's yard that they're never there. Nobody's at this house, but here all of a sudden, you know, it was a naked lady. <laughs> what what caused such a big issue is that they believed it was um it was Natalie. It was her naked body. <laughs> And so it caused such a stir at the time that the police would be, they were called, the police came and covered it up with a sheet because everybody in DC was coming to look at this naked lady in the middle of the yard. I love that she's just chilling in Paris with her 20 year old boyfriend and sending naked statues back to DC. (laughs) Sending naked statues. Yeah. I mean, it's like nobody's even living at the house and here comes this statue. <laughs> oh, her mom sounds really cool. I mean, first off, she ran away to Paris with two young children and just ditched her husband. Yeah. And now she's hanging in Paris with her like young French man. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I tried to see like, you can't, there's the statue doesn't exist. I like searched for it for like hours to see if I could figure out. But, I mean, it's so funny that, I mean, it's a naked statue. I mean, there's naked statues all over, you know, in cities all over the world. Yeah. But at this time that was not okay. Yeah. Well, and then also when it, re- you know, resembles her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They did later say that it wasn't, she, they said, no, it wasn't her, but, um, but I mean, I guess the resemblance was, was pretty great. Yeah. I mean, her and her mom sound like super cool. Yeah. They definitely marched to their own tune. Um, but in the later years, um, Natalie refused to ever go see a doctor and she started falling into, um, she wasn't feeling very good falling into ill health. Um, she and her longtime friend and attendant met up Bert. Here's a Bert for you. Um, she had been with her for 42 years, um, wow. taking care of her. 
And they ended up moving into the um, Hotel Maurice. The owner of her property on Rue Jacob um, tried to evict her many times and uh, he sold, even sold the property to Michael Debray, who was at the time the Minister of Defense. Um, they tried to evict her, her fiction or, order. Um, they finally ended up uh, getting, uh, getting an eviction order for her, um, but it didn't take place for four years. What? She can't even. The Minister of Defense couldn't even get her out of her. Couldn't even get her out of there. Um, but it didn't stop her. Uh, but it didn't stop them. They would send the workers there. At one point, they wanted to tear down the temple. <gasps> no. Yeah, but luckily that was stopped. And it, today, of course, it's still there. Um, I will put the address for it on my website, and then you could go to Google Earth, and you could actually kind of zoom in on, you know, like the satellite for Google Earth. You could see it. I can't believe they're going to tear down that temple from the yeah, 1700s. Yeah. Now it's protected. Now it's protected. You know, the 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 French state protected, so it can't be taken down. Also, this is proof of why it's so hard to get an apartment in Paris. This is why we have to fill out so many papers, because it's so hard to evict somebody. <laughs> to get rid of somebody. Yeah. Especially, I mean, who? it would be great to live in the temple. Yeah, I'd move right into the Friendship Temple. No problem. Yeah. And it sits very far off back from the street. So, I mean, and that's the thing in Paris. You can walk by all those big, beautiful doors all the time. You have no idea what's on the other side of it. All these secret gardens and friendship temples. Yeah, where they were having their big parties and nakedness of running around. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened to her mom? Like, she just hung out with her man and then whatever. Yeah, her mom ended up dying in Paris. um, And Natalie, uh, you know, would inherit even more at that point. Um, Natalie, uh, when they, she and, um, Bert, we'll cut just, we'll just use her middle name, Bert, cause you love it so much. Um, they were at the hotel Maurice. Um, and then that she ended up actually dying there on February 3rd in 1972 of heart failure. She was 92 years old. These women live a long time. Also, I love that she moved into the Maurice hotel, which yeah. is very expensive and very, very nice. Yeah. So, uh, she, um, Ended up, uh, she was buried in Paris at the um, Passé, which is, you know, really close to the Eiffel Tower. Um, and her sister died two years later and was buried with her. Oh, they shipped her par- her sister off to Paris? Yeah, her sister was in Paris off and on. She wasn't as wild and crazy as Natalie and her mother. <laughs> yeah, living the more reserved life like her father, it sounds the more like. more reserved life, yeah. But the... Uh, um, you know, Natalie, uh, I mean, it was, that was the, any, anybody that was there at the time, you will find, you know, that they were at her salon at one point. That's really cool. She's rubbing elbows with all the best of the best. Have you ever read any of her lesbian books? I haven't. I'm going to have to check one out. I always see that cemetery across from Trocadero, but I've never gone inside. Oh, it's really, that's where, um, Manet is buried. Oh, really? I and- didn't know- Barrett Moriso. <laughs> That's so interesting. Well, I have to go in there because I know exactly where it is because I'm like, oh, there's a big piece of land right yeah. by the Eiffel Tower, prime real estate. Yeah. And no one ever goes in there. No, it's, yeah. I mean, I've gone in there quite a few times and you, you know, you never see anybody in there, which is always a little bit creepy. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of like to have maybe a couple people with you, you know, or just, you know, even if you don't know them walking around. Where's <laughs> the entrance of that place? Like, it's around the course. So when you, um, in the Trocadero, when you, like, say you have your back to the Eiffel Tower, it's off to your left. And there's like that huge wall um, mm-hmm. that has a big sculpture dedicated to um, 
the I'm war. Not, the war. I can't remember which war. I think it was World War One. Um, if you go around that wall, you could go in there, and then you. I mean, you have this amazing view of the Eiffel Tower in there too. Oh, what? Okay, now I have to start taking photo clients in there. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Finally, avoid all the other photographers. Yeah, Let's and there's. Go. I mean, there's some. You know, it's not a. You know, the Père Lachaise is definitely the you know top dog of the gorgeous uh, tombs and sculptures. Um, but there's quite a few cool ones here and uh, Manet. I mean, I was, I, the first time I went, I had to go cause Manet was buried there and Bert, Bert Morisot is buried with him. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go visit cause I've been there literally every day for years. Yeah. And I've never wandered in there. Yeah. It's very, it's not, I mean, it's, and it's not bi- as big. It's definitely smaller than even Montparnasse. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you so much for more history. Now I know about another fascinating woman and I want to go find that temple and I want to read her books and I want to wear caftans and paint my walls with silk. <laughs> That's my favorite part, the red silk walls. The red silk, silk walls are like giving me life right now. Yes. I feel that could do me a lot of good. Well, make sure to head over to ClaudineHemingway.com, guys, to check out pictures, learn more, read more. And don't forget to join our virtual tours every Sunday where we walk live with you over Zoom and share history and fun facts about Paris as we show the city live on video. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.